Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hey, Launch University, this is David Farmer, and I am excited to bring you another episode of the Launch University Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in. I think you're going to enjoy today's episode where we get a chance to hear from Brian and Shannon Miles, and they're the founders of a really cool business called Belay. Uh, I am excited about you hearing about their story, but also potentially figuring out if this is something that might even make sense for you as you're launching your business. So let me first of all, just offer a big welcome to Brian and Shannon. Thank you guys for being with me. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. Let, let's unpack. Let's learn what is Belay. And Shannon, I may turn to you. Can can you share with us a little bit about Belay? Yeah. Belay is a virtual services company that basically gives busy leaders and business owners their time back. And so what that means is we take the back-end office administration off of their plates, you know, the things that have to get done in the business, but doesn't necessarily have to be the leader or the owner doing it. And we do that via virtual assistance, like executive assistance, bookkeeping and payroll, website support and design, and content writing. So my own story, about a year and a half ago, I was really struggling just to keep pace with everything I had going on in my life. Everything we do in Launch University is kind of a side gig for Jeff and Kevin and Shane and myself, and and I needed some help, and I had several folks reference, at the time it was called EA Help, now called Belay, this service. And so as I dug into it, I realized this could be a great solution for me. And so I have now had the benefit of working with a wonderful lady, her name is Rebecca Malman. I'll give a shout out to Rebecca. She is in the Baltimore area. Her husband is a pastor. She's looking to work part-time, and she does a phenomenal job of just helping me whatever I need assistance with. It might be scheduling. It, she's helped me do research. She's helped me write. She's helped me plan, uh, and we just connect uh, virtually. So uh, it, it's been a huge benefit for me, so I can certainly attest to the power of Belay. Yeah, it really does help propel businesses forward, whether it's your primary business or you you know, started something on the side, it's a side hustle. It really helps launch organizations a lot faster than if you tried to go it alone. Let's go back in time and talk about how Belay came into existence. When did this begin? How did it begin? Sure. So in uh, 2010, early 2010, uh, I was working for a church construction company. I was in uh, the vice president of consulting. I managed 10 sales guys. I had a pretty big book of business. Uh, but I also knew that it was not going to be um, kind of, I had hit my limit with that company. And at the same time, I really had an itch to do something different. Um, I read a book by Sam Walton or about Sam Walton, Made in America, a really awesome book. Yeah. And as I read it, it just hit me that I needed to try and do something else. He, I was 35 at the time, and I, I know that he started Walmart when he was 38. And so my thought was, well, at least if I tried something, you know, uh, and it failed, then I could get back in the workforce and, you know, and hopefully, you know, find something else that was meaningful to do. But in that same kind of season of time in the spring of 2010, Shannon also kind of hit the wall with where she was at a very big company in McKesson. It's a Fortune 10 company. And she was in project management, and her next move was either going to be outside or lateral. And as we just kind of talked, and we just agreed that this would be something we'd try and do together. 
So that was pretty uh, a pretty intense time. You know, we had young kids too. So it was, and of course, the economy stunk. Two young kids. Yeah. Two thousand ten. Yeah. We're in the midst of a recession. Yeah. Unemployment rate was nine six. It so let's a start a business. Yeah. <laughs> let's quit our jobs. You said together, and I know when you say together, you mean really together. So tell that part of the story. Yeah, so that was the spring. And once we decided, okay, we're being directed towards something way bigger than just finding the next job. Like, this is the time where we want to start a thing of our own. Um, We kind of got our ducks in a row legally in the summer when our son was two and our daughter was five. So not even in, like, real school, you know, just that fake preschool situation. Um and incorporated in August of that year and mapped out our plan, our business model, which we can go back to in terms of the offering that we had and how that came to be. Um, but gave our notices on my birthday, October 1st, um, on the yeah, same, day same day to our employers. Uh, we were just crazy enough to think, this is going to be fine. Let's just go all in. It'll, it'll work. It'll be great. Um, he gave a six-week notice. I gave an eight. So we sort of marked December 1st of 2010 as the official start of our business. And, and don't miss this, too. The other thing is we didn't want to be beholden anybody when we started, so we used our own capital, which was our 401ks. Wow. So we cashed out our 401ks to do that. That's a lot on the line. Yeah. And you have to have busy lives with two young kids. You could have used one of those virtual assistants right in the beginning. Well, and it was very tempting to stay on with my very stable company. I held the benefits for us, and my boss wanted me to stay. And maybe this will resonate with your listener, but it was one of those, like, how do you know when to really leave your job? How do you know when to really go all in to make it work? And there was a season of time in the fall of that year where my boss said, I'd really love for you to stay on, Shannon. I need you through March, which was the end of the fiscal year. And things had just started popping. We were starting to get some interest in the business and had a lot of work to do to lift it. And Brian looked at me and he said, McKesson doesn't need you like I do. If we're going to make this work, if we're really going to grow this thing, I want to do it with you and we need to do it now. And I said, all right, that's it. I'm done. How did you know you could do it when you thought of all that was at risk, the need for benefits, and and a lot of the just perks that we take for granted when you're part of a larger organization? Yeah, it is hard to leave something so stable or perceived to be stable, right? People get laid off, and I respect that. But yeah, we left healthcare benefits, took 50% pay cuts in our salaries to start the company. And like Brian said, used our 401ks to fund it. Um, So I think we knew our runway. We knew how long we had in terms of dollars available to start to turn a profit. And if we didn't turn it by then, we would have to make the decision, do we take, you know, on additional debt? Do we take outside funding? You know, how do we continue and make it run? But in the back of our minds, we knew how long we had and we also didn't live way beyond our means when we had nice jobs. You know, yeah. we we yeah. learned how to live, you know, way off of what our the high point of our salaries were. So it, you know, it it did it did stink, but it was it was a, and it was you know a fearful time. But it was I felt compelled. This is the right thing, and you know, right away we felt like there was affirmation in the market. We just really felt like there was some wind in our sails with you know this idea. Um, turned out that starting a business in the height of reception when no one else was entering the market, we were. We hit it at the right time. Um, I mean, in hindsight, it was the perfect time to jump into that business. Mm, That's good. So as you reflect back 
in the midst of it all, was there this moment, kind of like the death of a vision where you thought, oh, I'm not sure this is going to fly? About 72 times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it, it would be um, wrong for me to say that it's just all gumdrops and lollipops when you start a company. You know, it's not. It's full of risk. It's full of um, unknowns and, you know, and trying things that don't work and, you know, being rejected and all the, you know, things. But on the other side of that, it's incredibly rewarding too. You just have to power through that. What are some of the things that happened when, where you started to think, wow, this is actually going to work. I think we're going to make it here. We did get a few early wins, you know, some, some contracts that came through that were just a shot in the arm of affirmation. Okay, we have something here. And I think one of the things that helped us in the beginning is, you know, as Brian mentioned, he worked for a church construction company, a very specific industry. And we chose to go deep in that one vertical. And we didn't try to be all things to all people and, you know, go wide in the offering. So what we initially offered for virtual executive assistance was two pastors who needed help. And that really, I think, was a catalyst in the business to, you know, because if somebody's happy with something, they're going to talk about it. And that helped, I think, get some initial traction before we branched out beyond that vertical. Okay. There's a big lesson right there. We've talked in the past that there can be riches in the niches. And for you to pick one spot and go deep versus just shotgunning across a a wide array of opportunities, there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. We were very focused. Yeah, and, and then and then what happened was, and when you, we realized that okay, maybe there's new opportunity opening up. Was seven months into our business, we actually took a vacation out west of Wyoming, and from Salt Lake City up to Idaho Falls, um, we we found out that Michael Hyatt, um, you know, little known Michael Hyatt, was looking for a virtual assistant, and um, across Twitter, I secured a phone call with him, and then in Idaho Falls, I basically pitched him on our service. The next day, we negotiated a contract. Uh, while we were at some bear amusement park. And then he tweeted about our company, and it ruined our vacation. In a very good way. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean it in a loving way. I mean, it, Mike really did an awesome job. And, 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 but I, I spent my rest of my vacation doing sales calls. And it, and, it, and it was in every vertical that wasn't church. You know, so, so for us, it was, it was one of those things like, okay, this is, we've hit a new stride. And that was seven months in, and by then, month 14, we were at a place where we actually broke even in our business. And that was probably the first time in my, you know, from my perspective where I felt like, I think we're going to, you know, I think we're going to make it like there's something to this and and we just got to keep fighting. So is it just the two of you in the beginning? I know you had a virtual assistant at some point, but when did you get to a place where you begin to bring other people into the business? Yeah, sure. So for me, um, I had worked with a lady named Trisha. She was my virtual assistant for the old company I worked for. She was in Charlotte and I was in Atlanta. And so when I let her know that I was leaving to start this thing, I asked her if she would come on and work with us just five hours a week, because that's all we could afford back in 2010. And so she technically, you know, was right there alongside us as one of our first employees, or was the first employee besides us as founders. And today she is now our COO. She runs, you know, the lion's share of our business, you know, along our CFO. So that's it's, great. It's uh, in the early days. I mean, it was all we could afford was five hours a week with her. Yeah. But in terms of the business model, she was supporting us as a virtual assistant. Right. But then we also sourced virtual assistants to serve the clients that we were securing. So recruiting, you know, was always part of our premise. I know a lot of business owners start out doing 
their craft and then create a business around it. That was never our model. I was never the virtual assistant who wanted to make a virtual assistant business. Yeah. Um, so we always knew that, you know, finding and retaining amazing talent was a tenant of our business, which has been challenging, right? It's, we don't make widgets, you know, yeah, we, we partner yeah. with people and there's a yeah. lot of variables at play at that, but we feel like the reward is definitely worth the risk and the work. So I can share from my own story. When I got started, you assigned me a client manager and she worked to understand my needs. And then she said, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to recruit for you. And she did. And she found Rebecca. And then she said, it's time for you guys to meet. And she arranged a Zoom call, which is kind of like a Skype call for us to actually, uh, at least virtually, uh, meet one another online. Did you guys fall into some natural roles as you begin to divvy up all the work that had to be done to get this thing rolling? We did. I mean, for us, I mean, we're two different people, you know, and we're 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 um, blessed to have different skill sets, which is awesome. And you know, Shannon is really more the execution arm of our business, and I'm more the visionary sales guy, networker. You know, go hunt business and bring it in, and they were able to execute. You know, along her with Trisha, um, and then it's it's just kind of continued that way up at this point. But now. We're, you know, seven years later in our business, you know, Shannon carries a lot more of the vision casting with me. We're co-CEOs in the business. Um, but back then, we definitely fell into our own lanes and stayed out of each other's ways in the sense of, you know, I, I defaulted to her. I trusted her with many aspects of things that I just didn't, it really wasn't in my, my, my best interest to try and even solve. So I got to ask this question. You're seven years in. So has this been the most awesome thing ever for your marriage or just really stressful for your marriage? Because I think we got other listeners out there that are thinking about launching um, with their partner and trying to figure out if that's a good idea. Yeah. You're going to think I'm lying, but it has been one of the best decisions we've ever made as a couple outside of having our kids. Yeah. Because um, it's allowed us to get to know each other in new capacities that we wouldn't have otherwise if our careers had taken two different paths. It's made us um, be aligned in our vision for our family and always constantly going back to why are we doing this? You know, when we have decisions to make in the business, is it something that's going to help us with our long-term vision as a couple or not? You know, it's all integrated together. And I think in a lot of ways... For us, it was easier to start it together than for me to see Brian start a business and cheer him on from behind the scenes. And I recognize that's not for everybody, but that has been our, our story. Yeah, I'd echo that as well. I mean, the, the experiences that we've shared in the last seven years together, the you know, highs and lows and travel and the things that we've been afforded to do with our children in this and meet amazing people and serve great people like yourself, you know, it's just to do that with her. I couldn't imagine doing it any other way. Shifting gears, thinking about all the stuff that you have to go through and, and spend time on when you're launching a business, it's not the sexy stuff, it's the behind-the-scenes stuff, administrative, legal, just to get going. Um, how did you guys deal with that and get over the hump as you launched? We still run into that. I think you know, we just went through a consolidation of five of our brands. We Up until the beginning of 2017, we had five different companies that Brian and I owned. One, The largest public-facing of those was EA Help. Um, second largest is Mag Bookkeeping, and then three others that we rebranded into Belay. So yeah, that was a tremendous amount of work that had to be done. Very little of it was sexy. Like most of it was like base camp task projects and working with attorneys and validating things with CPAs and project meetings. Like 
None of it was sexy. Um, but it was all important. And we, we recognize, I mean, we are a business that has built ourselves on, you know, all the back end work that needs to be done for a business. So even if something's not sexy, it doesn't mean it's not important. That's right. Doesn't mean it doesn't have to be done and celebrated. Yeah. So, I mean, we have positions in our company that I think are undervalued in other organizations, but we honor and love and respect them. And we see them as launching pads to other things. Like Brian mentioned earlier on, Trisha was a five-hour week virtual assistant that's now our COO. That's one of many stories of progression that we've seen in our company. So they're important. I want to follow up on that. As you think about the success that you've had in your journey this far, what is it that brings you the most fulfillment when you reflect back? I'll speak for myself. It's seeing other people grow. Yeah. Whether it's our clients being able to grow their organizations or have a date night that they couldn't have had time to do before or an emerging leader within our organization, you know, that can grow and and, um, be promoted or, you know, a contractor that we partner with who has been a frustrated stay-at-home mom and unable to use her intellect and is ready to get back into the workforce but has just not been able to find a good option for it. Like, seeing people grow personally because of Belay, um, that is absolutely the most rewarding thing for me. Yeah, for me, I would say that uh, it's very rewarding to see somebody, say, in a rural part of our country that may not have access to a great job otherwise because of where they live actually have meaningful work with us and work for some great organization that's out there in the States or in sometimes in Canada. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that. Um, another, the other, the other side of it too is the win with the client, you know, like today I got an email from a, a, a guy that's based in Seattle and he said that, you know, he's been able to be freed up so much that over the last couple of years that we've been working with him, he's taken, he's taken his revenue from 200,000 a year to 900,000. Wow. And I didn't even ask for that. And it was just in my inbox this morning, you know, to see that. And, and so for me, I really feel like we're moving the dial and helping leaders really grow and evolve uh, and grow the organization. Small business is the bedrock of our nation's economy. And we keep, you know, all of our folks here in the United States. And so I really feel like in, in, a, in a growing way, we're really impacting the U.S. economy with in, not only in growth for these organizations, but also with folks that get paychecks from us. I've shared this in the past on the podcast, but Tommy Newberry is a coach who has taught me this concept of genius. And when he describes it, he draws two lines that intersect. And on one line, he puts strengths. On the other line, he puts passion. And he draws a little circle around the intersection point and says, where strengths and passion intersect, that's your genius. If you can spend as much time as possible functioning within your genius, you'll be successful. But it doesn't mean there's not other stuff that has to get done, but the stuff outside of your genius, try to find somebody that uh, has uh, passion and strength around that. In other words, that might be in their genius. And I think that's kind of what you guys do in, in bringing new uh, resources to the table that can that can come alongside and complement someone's genius. So when I hear about a guy that's going from 200000 in revenue to 900000 my bet is he's now operating in his genius zone way more than he used to be. Yeah, he's focused on what only he can do. Some people call it high payoff activities, you know, but it's it really is. And it, it doesn't have to be just admin. It could be that that leader's buried in bookkeeping. Yep. And they need to get out of the way of that. We were at a point in our business where we had to do the same. So for our listeners, here's an opportunity. Find those places where you can benefit from having a partner that can come alongside and pick up uh, the work 
It's not in your strong suit, but it's got to get done. Help you get to another level. Keep you focused on those things that only you can do. And I think one key to that is I hear from a lot of people who are just launching and maybe they're the only ones in their organization so far. They just can't afford to bring anybody else on. And then there's this list of tasks or responsibilities that they could delegate, um, but they feel like, well, nobody's going to want to do this. You know, this is the grunt work. Like, if I don't want to do it, nobody's going to want to do it. And it's not true. There are people out there that that is their genius. Yeah. And when you turn responsibility over to them, most of the time you're amazed with what they can accomplish. Laura, who's a relationship manager with you guys, when she'll talk to me, she's always challenging me to find more things that I can give up and let Rebecca run with. But it's hard sometimes. We're just comfortable. We, we just want to hold on. And it's like you kind of got to get over this hump and just have a little faith and trust this other person. Maybe even invest a little bit of time to get them going. But over the long haul, you'll come to realize that you will benefit if you can let something go and allow somebody else to run with it. Yeah, that's another thing that we see leaders. They There's a, a rather false assumption that says, I'm the only one that can do this. I am the best at it. I'm the only one that can do it. And that may be true for about one or two or three things. But the rest is there's plenty of other people that could help you and do it probably better than you. And a lot of our leaders are really stuck on that. And when they, they kind of give up the ghost on that, they, they, they actually they see growth in the areas of their business. Because you guys have probably seen your roles change dramatically over time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I think one of the reasons, frankly, why we've been successful, one, way I, one I feel like God's hand's been in our business, but besides that and our hard work, is I, we've been really intentional to get out of the way. We've, um, when that same time when Mike Hyatt uh, became a customer of ours, we um, kind of came across an idea of owning the business, not running the business. And that informed a lot of what we do. So we, we have a mantra that we own the business, we don't run it, which means we empower others and we, we get out of their way. We find great people, we empower them, and we get out of their way. And I think that by doing that, we've been able to replicate our business at a much quicker rate. That leads me to think about culture. So I'm curious to know how you've approached culture. Um, how intentional have you been? What have you done to create it, instill it within the team? So uh, just comment on that. What role does it play at Belay? Culture has always been like one of the most important things we focused on as an organization. You know, while Brian and I were both grateful for our prior companies, they didn't necessarily emulate the culture that we wanted to create with our own organization. Like we wanted to create the company that we would want to work for, right? So you have to be intentional about getting in front of culture so it doesn't just happen in a way that you didn't intend. Um, And we're all virtual, meaning we don't have an office that we go to. Um, Neither do any of our 70 employees in the Atlanta metro area, and neither do any of the 550-plus contractors that we partner with across the country. Nobody's in an office. So how do you create a culture that's consistent and vibrant in light of that? Um, So we've leveraged technology. Obviously, that's, you know, the underpinning of what we do. But um, we always wanted it to be an integration of personal and professional. We don't feel like people are separated and you, you need to be one person at work and one person at home. That's just an unnecessary tension that we're all adults and should be able to navigate. Mm-hmm. So um, we, I, I mean, we invest in our team. We do believe that FaceTime is important, even though most of our work is done remote, um, whether it's via, you know, Zoom or like literally face-to-face. 
So do you even have gatherings? We, we do. do. Yeah. yeah, we have twice a year we get our corporate team together, which is that group of 70 for a day and a half, two days of meetings and then ad hoc meetings throughout the year based on teams. And we do happy hours and um, we just uh, were fortunate enough to be on the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies list for three years in a row. So Congratulations. we threw, thank you, had to plug that. Um, we're very proud of it. And we threw like a virtual happy hour where everybody brought a cocktail to Zoom and we announced our ranking and celebrated together as a team. So little things like that, I think, have helped foster the culture. But Brian has a lot to say on this too, so I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> I want to highlight that point you just made that you got to celebrate along the way. So when you hit a mile, Milestone. It may be a huge milestone. Maybe it's a little milestone, but stop through a party, celebrate. It creates momentum. It reminds everybody what you're all about. It just fuels everybody to take the next leg of the journey. So uh, that's a great principle right there. Yeah, no, that, and I agree. I, I think milestones, you know, are important to celebrate. And that was one of those that were really, you know, was really big for us. Um, you know, I, I think what I'd add to it from a culture standpoint, we, um, we were ranked number one this year in Entrepreneur Magazine for um, small business and a, co- a company culture, number one, Ooh. out of 50 different companies. And um, what's really cool about that is we don't have an office. Yeah. And so there, there's this stigma that's out there. It's like, you know, you haven't made it until you have an office. And so I, like one of the things I'd say is that's not possible. You don't need one. You don't need an office. Now, you there are reasons why some do, and leaders kind of want that kind of thing in their, you know, in their um, the progression of the growth of their business. But for us, we've just decided it's not necessary. So, if anything, you know, we're one example to say, hey, this is very possible. Yeah. Um, but and from a culture standpoint, I do uh, have a book that's coming out next year called Virtual Culture. Yeah, that's great. Uh, it should release sometime around January of 2018, and it's basically our key learnings that have, you know, what are the things that we've done to develop a meaningful virtual culture and what does leadership look like? Um, how do you, how do you be a, a, a very large brick and mortar and how do you abandon that? And how do you, how do you methodically go back to having everybody work from home? And we've got some really great case studies in there, of big businesses that have done this and, and then startups that desire to never, ever be in an office. We just kind of talk about how you tee that up for success. So, and, and it's really also a lot of our personal stories of how we, how we created this thing. I'm really excited to share it. Part of the reason why I wrote this book was because I got those phone calls like, hey, how do you do this? You know, yeah. like, we're a big business. How do we escape this? And um, so I just took the time to start to craft it out. So I'm really excited for the book. It's called Virtual Culture. All right. So I got to get you to, to just give us a freebie from the book. Twist your arm. Share one big principle um, that you espouse in the book. I still want to encourage our listeners to go check the book out when it hits. But what would you? What's what's one you'd share that you, is a favorite of yours? I think I think one key lesson for me um, that I'd, I'd share is in a virtual company. It's really easy, um, and this happens in big corporations too, in small companies. But it's really easy just to gossip. Well, if it's easy in an off, office to gossip, it's incredibly that much easier to gossip. In a virtual company, because mm. you're just there's there's no accountability in the sense that you could just pick up the phone and gossip. And we've defined gossip as taking your problem to somebody that can do nothing about it. Okay, yeah. And so for us, um, the right way to handle a concern you have in the business is to take it up, not out sideways or down. And so in our business, we created the policy that if you gossip, you're fired. Mm. And it really has created a wonderful company environment. Now, we took that from Dave Ramsey and his model of entree leadership, and we've ran with it, and we've, we've applied it. But it's one of those things that it's doubly important in a virtual company. 
uh, you've got to be you've got to be intentional about your culture and not making sure that because I, I mean I'm not in everybody's home right to see if somebody's being toxic or not. So we've we've just made it really abundantly clear. Um, and what we find is people that come in from corporate America and they come in our company, they're like, wow, this place, like people genuinely get along here, and it's it's not this weird fake thing. It's actually because we. We've just um, respected that policy. And so that's one thing that I know is very important when you're developing a virtual culture. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So looking ahead, I want to ask you, what is it that inspires you as you think about the next chapter of your business? Yeah, we recently launched a new offering uh, for profit bookkeeping. Traditionally, with that service line, we have been serving nonprofits and churches Um and so we just launched that this summer, and I'm excited for the, to see, you know, through the end of this year how that's taking off, and um, we'll be able to build some really cool case studies from that. Um, but into 18, obviously, Brian's book launching at the beginning of the year, and then I have one coming out at the end of Q1, so end of March, beginning wow. of April. So can you talk about the book at all? Absolutely. It's cathartic to get all these ideas that have just been, you know, floating around in our heads onto paper, you know, like seeing it in print. It's amazing. Um, But my book is about the third option. So this opportunity for working that we've been able to create that is the space between full time out of the office or out of the homework. Uh, or not working at all. And it's my personal journey of how I started that um, when I had Rainy in 2005. And um, the stories of other people that we've partnered with over the years that it's worked for them. And it's not just for the stay-at-home mom. It's for um, millennials who have gone to college, gotten their degree, gone to corporate America, and said, this is horrible. I can't stay here. I have to do something different with my life. I need agency. Um, and then to the all the way to somebody who's been you know laid off or maybe even retired and doesn't want to completely exit the workforce. And so it's it's stories of inspiration, but also practical tips of how do you know when you're ready to make that change, and then um, how do you make the third option work for you? That's a great message, and I think people are going to love learning more about that. So I'm curious that in the midst of building and leading this business, you're both still finding time uh, to take ideas, turn them into books. Uh, how do you pull that off? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, we, we've been very intentional to empower others. I mean, we've, we've got good freedom and flexibility in our schedules to be able to carve out time to, to do stuff like this that is important to us. Are you getting help with the book writing as well? I think we've got other listeners that are thinking, wow, I want to do that too. So what can you tell them? How do you do that? Yeah, I'll give them a plug. We're both using Book in a Box. They're based out of Austin, but they're a virtual company too that take your um, idea all the way through manuscript and uh, final product and even into marketing. So we've thoroughly enjoyed the process um, with them and would recommend if somebody has, like we did these ideas just floating around in their head and are having a hard time either finding time to get it on paper or not being structured enough, and I'm looking at myself, not Brian, uh, to actually do the work, then they're a great solution. That's a great tip, and I've never heard of them before. Michael Hyatt actually recommended yeah, them. It's an awesome yeah. company. It really, I mean, it, it just a... Um, very impressive company. I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you know your audience to check them out if they're really serious about reading or uh, writing a book. Um, and the other cool thing too, I um, that I've really enjoyed about them is that they get kind of our environment. They're virtual in a lot of different ways, 
you know, so they kind of identify with our DNA and organization. Yeah. Uh, it's just, they've been a great company. You've referenced Book in the Box. Earlier you highlighted Zoom, and I heard you make reference to Basecamp, which I'd never heard of, but now Basecamp is a project management tool that we use at Launch University. So you guys live in this world. I'd love for you to highlight any tools, tricks, apps, techniques, things that um, just are real practical that might help our launchers in their own journey. Yeah, I wish Laura was here right now because yeah. she has her finger on the pulse of, you know, globally what clients are using. I hear a lot about Slack. We've yeah. used it in certain capacities in our organization. Um, Mobile Day. Mobile Day is a cool app that if you're out on the road a lot and you have a lot of conference calls, it'll help facilitate dialing those for you. We just implemented Workplace. It's a Facebook application that looks and feels like Facebook, but it's not actually Facebook, meaning you can use it without having a Facebook it's account. It's built for companies. Okay. And that recently has become our office okay. yeah. for our corporate team where we're you know posting our Friday high lows, where we're making announcements and discussions. Yeah, I was wondering how you communicate with your 70-plus office staff that are scattered all around town in different locations. Yeah, we, we leverage video technology a lot, like a great Great example. Um, unfortunately, we've all heard in the news Hurricane Harvey and the devastation it's created for um, Texas. And so um, our CFO, Lisa, just shot a video yesterday that talked about what we're doing to help with the relief efforts. And um, we have a vacation time off policy that we give our employees to go serve in whatever capacity they see fit, and then we'll cover the cost of that. Um, as far as their time off. And so anyway, she announced that via video, sent it out via email and posted it to your workplace. So it's, um, that just makes it more personal than sending a text email or just a boring corporate email. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'd, I'd say two others for me. I mean, we use Infusionsoft, which is a fantastic CRM application. We use that for so many different things from managing our sales funnel to, all of our, a lot of our marketing automation to account management. It's a fantastic application for us. And then um, our leadership team, we use something called Clipfolio, which is basically web-based analytics to really help us dial in what you know KPIs are important in our business on a day-to-day basis. It's real time, and I use that thing almost every other hour. I'll check it when this you know this interview is over. Okay, that's a good list right there. So that was some rich stuff. Well, as we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to speak directly to our audience. These are folks who they may be still contemplating whether or not they should take a big leap and jump into a new venture, or they're in it, but they feel stuck, or they're having great success and they're just trying to keep up with it all. Uh, You've lived much of this over the last seven or eight years. So what's the word that you would share with them today? Obviously, starting a business is hard, and I think the easier, you know, the, the, the quicker you open yourself up to help from other people, the easier it can be. It's lonely, you know, because even I'll speak from the perspective of a woman, you know, when you're starting a business, there are very few peers out there who you can relate to. Um, you either have stay-at-home mom friends or, or women who work for another organization but it's a little different when you're starting a company and um, it can be isolating. So I think finding networking groups to be a part of is huge. Obviously I'm a huge proponent of, you know, support on a ground level. 
Um, and just finding people to connect with because I think that'll alleviate a lot of the isolation that can get in your head. That's a great word. Thank you for that, Shannon. I'd say, you know, we need businesses in our country. You know, there's 27 million businesses right now in the United States that are for profit and they're the bedrock of our country. And I love this country. And I'd say, you know, if you, you know, do your due diligence, do your homework, you know, pray a lot, ask great questions, but, but do it. You know, I, I, it, the, on the other side of risk, there's oftentimes reward and it comes at a good price, but it's often, you can find that reward if you really want it and you work hard enough for it. And so frankly, our, our nation needs that. Mm, that's a good word right there. Well, I want to thank you guys for just giving up your time to come and share your story. I love hearing how you've been blessed, you've been successful, you've worked through some of the adversity that inevitably comes when you start something like this. We're all going to look forward to both your books coming out in this coming year. And personally, I got to thank you for the way you've helped me in my life uh, through your service. Uh, It has uh, really helped me uh, have time to do things I just wouldn't have uh, a way to do any other way. So I want to say to our listeners, you may be in the marketplace for a great solution, uh, just like I've benefited from. So if that's the case, you want to go check out Belay.com? Belaysolutions.com. Okay. Uh, Belaysolutions.com. B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com. So Brian, Shannon, thank you again. It's been a real treat. Thank it's you for idea, uh, being, not, uh, for one, this interview, but also being a great customer too. We love serving you. So thank you. You bet. All right, to the Launch University Tribe, thank you again for just giving up your time, listening in. Encourage you just to help spread the word. If you know somebody that's not tuned in, uh, not only tell them about it, but maybe just show them exactly how to to go get the podcast. And uh, we're just grateful that we have the opportunity to uh, just come alongside and hopefully offer help to you. Encourage you to give us feedback as well. We'd love to respond to that. So go have a great day, great week. Uh, Thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.